0: Amen. Amen. So we're going to be getting into 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And you may not know this, but it comes after 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And 2 Thessalonians comes after 1 Thessalonians, but 2 Thessalonians was actually written as a part 2 because whenever Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, many of you know that's the rapture chapter. That's our promise that he's going to get us out of here. Amen. That's our promise that the dead in Christ will rise and those that are alive and remain at his coming will be caught up together with them, amen? amen? And so shall we ever be with the Lord, amen? amen. And that's the promise. Yes. And, and, and when the Holy Ghost wrote that through Paul, the church got so fired up, they had cricks in their neck looking up. And so he wrote 2 Thessalonians 2 to kind of help you know help them get grounded a little bit to help them see what's going to happen so whenever we get into into second Thessalonians uh, chapter number 2 it, it's written to that end because there are some things that will take place before the rapture there's things that will happen before the day of Christ and it's important to understand uh, because there are things that God has already set in motion that God has already declared that are going to come to pass amen and it's sad to say that we're living I mean what I heard a preacher say whenever the whenever Pentecost happened in the upper room the last day started And we're still in the last days. We're just in the last of the last days. Amen? Leonard Ravenhill, one of my favorite ministers of all time, he said that the prophets of old, they longed to breathe the air that we're breathing because we're seeing prophecies fulfilled just like that. We're seeing prophecies fulfilled left and right, and we're living in an hour when the world is changing. And sad to say, that not only is the world changing, but the church is as well. The church is changing its method, it's changing the way it does things, it's even, sadly, changing its message. We only have one message. That's Jesus Christ, Him crucified and raised from the dead. It's the only message that will save a soul, and it doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, or polka dot or anywhere in between, the same gospel saves regardless of what you look like or smell like. And so we live in this era that many prophets have preached about because we have, as JC Ryle said, jellyfish Christianity. That is a Christianity without a backbone. No backbone. Um, And and whenever you begin to fear, whenever you begin to fear man and not God, you'll lose your backbone. It is the fear of God that is the beginning of all wisdom. If you don't fear God first and foremost, you're not going to be wise. You're going to go and do what the people of the world go and do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so we're going to start with Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. That's the rapture, in case you get excited about that kind of stuff the gathering of the church as, 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 a, as a mother hen gathers her chicks. That's the way when the Lord, I was saying earlier, the, when, you, know, you remember the old song, It's Well With My Soul, when the the, the sky is going to be rolled back, amen, like a scroll, and the Lord will descend, amen, and the saints will rise. And, and that's what he's talking about, our gathering together there. Um, our gathering together unto him, verse number 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, that's the day of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And we'll stop right there for for a, a brief time, and we're going to go through a couple of other passages. But let's begin to unpack this a little bit. First off. The the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you don't have to look up for a crick in your neck because there's some things that are going to happen first. Before the day of Christ, before that day, there's going to be an unfolding of events. Namely, there is going to be a falling away, a falling away of the church. In other words, the church is going to get weak-kneed. The the church is going to lose its backbone. The church is going to lose its saltiness. The church is going to lose the bright light of the gospel and change it out for a strobe light from the world. The church is going to lose the power of the gospel and exchange it for the power of a smoke machine. The the church is going to lose depending on God and, and move over to depending on the ways of men. The apostles never went to a church growth seminar. Because God grows his church, not man. Amen. When you lean on the arms of men, you, you fall into their ways of perdition. Yes. And this is where the church is because we fear man. We fear man. People want to build the church for their pocketbooks, not for the kingdom's sake. Amen. Because if you, about, if you care about souls, you'll do soul winning God's way, not man's way. When you care about pocketbooks, you do it man's way. When you care about souls, you preach the word. There's only one thing that can save a soul, and that's when a sinner believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. That God, who was manifest in the flesh, bore our sin on the cross, gave up the ghost and rose on the third day for our sin. And on that gospel rests our faith. But what we have in our generation is people whose faith is not in that gospel, but is in methods of men. Methods of men is the falling away The falling away from depending on the power of God. You see, God changes from the inside. Man changes people on the outside. The word psychology deals with the psyche. This is the soul of a man, but God changes a man's spirit. God goes where man can't go. God, the word of God divides soul and spirit. God can get in there and quicken a a person's spirit and change them from a drunk, change them from a drug addict, change them from any kind of addict to being addicted to the ministry because God is the one that saves them and he saves them and he changes them and he makes them new creatures in Christ Jesus. Where the Bible says, all things are passed away, all things are become, come on now, new. You don't have to pretend when all things are made new. And if you're pretending, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus can save you and change you on the inside and make you new and it'll work if God has done it on the inside. Come on, somebody. It'll work all the way to the outside. God will give you a testimony. When the word of God gets inside of you, the word of God will testify to the change that's taken place because people around you will know you're not the same. You might smell like you used to smell. You might talk like you used to talk, but there's going to be something different about you. It's the hand of the master on you. And that gospel is the only gospel that saves. Right. Amen. Why is it that we are depending on the arm of the flesh when it is only the arm of God that can save a person? Right. Amen. Why is it that we depend on the arm of the flesh? Why is it? It's because there's a falling away. This is a spiritual thing that is taking place in the world and in the church and in an hour when the church needs to rise up with the one message about the one Savior with that one gospel, we're not. We're going to church growth seminars and, and, and building a, a third deck on the Titanic while it's sinking. So, this falling away, I want to get into, and, and, and it, is, it is not anything that is um, different because this has always been the way of man. Man has always chosen their own method and not God's. Ask Israel, right? The, all throughout Israel, they, they, would, they would turn to God and turn to themselves and turn to God and turn to themselves. And they would worship God and they would worship other gods and our generation is no different but this has prophetic significance because the darker that the world gets the brighter the light will shine amen Amen. the brighter the light will shine but it's gonna get harder because it's gonna cost more it's going to cost more in the upcoming days In fact, it's there's a pressing, there's a pressing that is coming on the church world. And there there's a sifting that is taking place. The the wheat and the chairs can only grow together for so long, and there's going to come a day where one will stand and one will fall. And the sifting that is taking place is going in right now because people in our day are more broken than ever. People are growing up in America in broken homes at record paces broken homes produce broken lives. It, 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 I, I love to minister in prisons and you go to a prison and you ask somebody, you know, how many of you have children? Almost all of them will raise their hand. And then you ask them, how many of you have, did your fathers go to prison? And almost, it's like 80 to 90% both ways. You see, it, 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 we get stuck in a rut and we're broken. But the only thing that can change someone is the gospel. That, that's one thing I love about prison ministries because when somebody gets a hold of the gospel, God changes their life forever and completely. You don't have to go back behind them and say, now come on because when somebody gets a hold of the truth that hey you know what i'm not who i used to be i don't have to be who i was if i'll surrender to jesus god will save me right now forgive me clean me cleanse me and fill me and empower me to live a life unto him that's the gospel that's the gospel and you don't pay for it. You don't have to put money in a plate for it. You don't I know that this is you don't have to go to a conference and pay $25 to get in and get a t-shirt and a DVD to get it. The gospel is free. The gospel is free. Amen. We just need to free it up. We need to release it. We need to preach it. We need to proclaim it on the hilltops and the mountaintops down in the valleys. We even need to start preaching it in our homes. Amen. I remember growing up and I was drugged to church. It didn't matter if I wanted to go or not. Amen? In and, and we don't live in that kind of a generation anymore. But the falling away takes place in many different ways. It, it, it takes place in, because we are a faithless generation. Uh, you can't get anybody to do anything unless it's, you know, something of the flesh in, in, in this falling away that takes place. Like I said, it's, it's been there and God's seen it. I want to show you something in first Samuel chapter eight about it. First Samuel chapter number eight. Over in first Samuel, if you'll remember, Samuel took over for Eli. How many of y'all remember that? Eli Was God's man. But Eli had a problem. Eli had a problem. You know what his problem was? He saw something that wasn't right and he turned a blind eye. It was his own children, but he allowed it to continue. He compromised. He compromised, he knew it wasn't right, he knew it wasn't right, but he compromised and compromise will destroy the work that God's doing in a person. Compromise will derail a person from the plan and the purpose that God has. Uh, A.W. Tozer, I believe, he said um, a little compromise here, a little compromise there and no power at all. You, you, when you when you think one compromise is good, the next compromise is gooder. Yeah, I went to school in Texas. But but that's how you think. Once you begin to compromise in one area, the devil has a foothold. Y'all know what a foothold is. the The devil has a toehold when you will compromise if there is any compromise in your character, the devil will find it. You got to be sold out. Preachers over there preaching hard. I'm telling you the truth. If there's compromise in you, he'll search it out. And if you'll compromise in one area, you'll compromise in all. It's only a matter of time because it will wear you down compromise compromise will defeat you because the devil will condemn you for it it will defeat you because the devil will condemn you for it condemn you is different than convict you in case you haven't heard this before the voice of the devil and the voice of god are indistinguishable because Uh, this is what you need to know God convicts the devil condemns the devil says you're a low-down dirty dog don't even go to God and pray because he's not gonna hear you anyways that's the voice of condemnation the voice of conviction is you're not where you need to be you need to be at the cross Go to that altar, get on your knees, ask God to forgive you, and he will. The voice of conviction compels you to come to the cross. The voice of condemnation keeps you away. This is how you know one from the other. And any time you go to pray, you'll probably hear one of those two voices on the inner man, in your inner being. There's sometimes you go to pray and the devil will say, you haven't prayed in two days. Why are you going to pray now? That's condemnation. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But whenever a person will compromise, whether, and listen, this is one of the sad realities of the generation we live in, that we have to say things like this, but you you may know that it's ungodly to commit adultery you may not commit adultery but if you watch programs on tv where people are committing adultery it's getting into your spirit you may not get drunk but if you're Watching those things, you may not curse, but if you're watching those things, you may not. You may never do those things, but if you entertain those things, they're getting in your spirit. Oh, yes. One of my favorite verses, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You, you, if you're not guarding your heart, if you're not protecting your heart from the corruption of the world, it will get in. You have to actively guard yourself. You have to actively some listen, if you've never watched anything or 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 heard anything and not turned it off, there's a problem. If you're alive, we're in 2019. If you're alive in 2019, if you've ever watched or heard anything and not had to look away or turn it off, there's a problem. Because it is it is getting shoved down this generation's throat. Everything from sodomy, homosexuality, drunkenness, adultery, fornication, blaspheming God. You go down the list, it's being shoved down the throat of this generation. And all we can talk about in the church is how to have a better life and how to grow our churches when people's lives are falling apart, when people's souls are being ripped in two, All we want is their billfold and and I'm speaking that in sincerity I've seen it but God wants to make us whole God's gospel is better than the one that is being published in many places today God's gospel is truth and its power but there's a falling away that's taking place. And here's one of the things I want you to, to see as we go through this is that there's only one gospel, like I said earlier. But there, but there are some who believe that you have to change the gospel depending on the crowd. You have to, you have to do different things depending on different generations or different ethnicities or different, different continents but it's the same gospel in every continent, in every generation. The same gospel's been handed down from the apostles to the disciples to the church fathers, all the way down to us. The same gospel has never changed, and yet we live in a generation that wants to change it. The gospel doesn't change, we do. The gospel changes us. And when a person refuses to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, compromise sets in, and then they will begin to do things that aren't rational. I'm going to show you that right now. First, uh, Samuel, did I tell you to go to chapter 8? Did I tell you what verse to go to? Okay, well, good. We'll just start at verse number 1. How about that? But what I was telling you earlier is is that Samuel took over for Eli... Eli was God's man Eli had compromised his sons were sinning his sons were sinning and he he turned a blind eye he let them continue to sin he was actually uh, charging people to do stuff to sacrifice unto God he was a dirt they his children were dirty ministers dirty ministers in every way you can imagine And God God came down on the whole house of Eli for it. Samuel, who was being raised in the temple, y'all remember Hannah? Amen. That's usually my Mother's Day message. Uh, Hannah, God God raised up Hannah. Hannah gives Samuel to God, and God protects Samuel. Now, Samuel knows this message. He knows the message. But watch what happens in this verse. Look at verse number 1. It says, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after Lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Now, is that not very similar what happened with Eli? It's very similar. And you know, God, it, it was so profound because that's where you, you see, you know, God said the glories departed because of their sin. Ichabod. Ichabod. Because of what they did, God judged it. And now Samuel finds himself in the exact same place. And what I want to speak to, though, is... Our generation, our generation, if if you've seen people in the church world go after the wrong thing, you don't have to too. You don't have to follow suit. You can be a Daniel. You can be a Daniel. You can look, even if you got to stand alone, stand alone. Even if everybody else you know compromises and walks away from God, don't. If everybody else you know and love turns out to be a complete fraud, you trust what God said in his word more than what you see with your eyeballs. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. If everybody else walks away, you better not. Don't do it. Now, look at verse, it says that they they took the, 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 they went after lucre, they took bribes and they perverted judgment. And anytime somebody perverts judgment, God's going to come down on them because God's the judge. And one thing he extremely hates is perverted judgment. And that's one of the reasons why I believe that our nation is in the mess it's in. We have multiple levels of justice. People, you know, certain people can do things and get away with it. Other people don't. Look at justice, though. Some people will tell you that you should not be against abortion. You should be against the death penalty for murderers. When that's completely backwards. They flip justice upside down because... Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but our nation just decided to um reinstitute the death penalty for people that murdered babies, children, violently, five of them they're going to execute. That's justice. That's justice. That is justice. We pray that they make things right with God. I'll tell you, you know, one testimony I heard, and I don't know if it's, it's, You know, you don't know unless you're the person, but I heard that Jeffrey Dahmer got saved while he was on death row. Hey, we might be worshiping the Lord next to him. If you got a problem with that, look, none of us deserve God's grace and mercy. None of us deserve God's salvation. All of us are sinners. All of us have come short of the glory of God. And it's only God's mercy that we find at the cross that any of us are saved. And until you get that you don't get the gospel. Yeah. And so but but what I was talking about justice is our generation thinks that you should be able to kill a baby even after it's born. The governor of one of our states said that a baby should be born, placed in a box and then the doctor and the mother have a conversation about whether to let it live or not. It's already alive. And he said, well, we'll keep the baby comfortable till we, till we have the conversation and decide. This is infanticide. This is infanticide. And it's going on, listen, in our nation, on our generation's church's watch. You say, Brother Kitty, why do you get so excited? Because I don't want it to happen on my watch. If I've got a voice, I've got to speak up. Because it's not right. It's not right. We shouldn't go quietly into the night. We should lift our voices like trumpets for those that don't have one. Praying that some people will hear the truth and repent. And so, our generation is so mixed up on justice, just like these, just like Samuel's sons. They had perverted judgment, they had perverted justice. And uh, there's part of our country, part of our, even the church, that's okay with killing babies, even after they're born, but people that are cold blooded murderers letting them go. Tell me, that's not satanic. It is very satanic it's bloodthirst there's many reasons our our nation is involved in a lot of witchcraft there's many reasons why there's such a bloodthirst in this nation you have to ask yourself why is there so many shootings getting broken out in our nation it there's a there is a satanic spirit that's dividing our nation and the church is too busy building buildings than to contend for the things of the Spirit. It's happening on our watch. And so God's called us to the front lines. God's called us to roll up our sleeves and get engaged in the fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen? That's what God says. You, as a saint, as a child of God, can affect more for the kingdom of God if you will let God rend your heart and bring you to your knees and begin to pray. You will do more. You will do more than marching on a highway. You will do more than lifting up a banner on the street. You will do more than sending out emails. When you, as a child of God, begin to pray to the God that saved you, that bought you with his own blood, when you begin to pray, God moves. And so, my prayer is that our church world our church world will get broken for prayer again because only God can help us now. Things are going on right now that one politician can't fix. It doesn't matter if you're pro-Trump, pro-Obama, or pro-nobody. One politician can't change it. The church the church will chart the course. And this is the hour when we need to preach the one true gospel and not be ashamed of it because it's the only thing that can help. It's the only thing that brings hope. It's the only thing that brings healing. It's the only thing that can change a person's soul. Their very soul can be changed. How many of y'all are different than the day that God saved you? Amen. In that same change, look, you weren't all that great before you got saved. Amen. I hate to break it to you. I got to tell you the truth. I love you. You weren't all that great. You were a liar, a thief. You ran red lights and stoplights and all kinds of lights. But listen, God changed you. And if, listen, I know this is, this is hard, but you got to listen. If God changed you, he can change anyone. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't get all on your high horse because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all rejected God and gone after our own ways and our own heart and our own desires. And only by the grace of God are you saved and alive for God today. And if God did it for you, he can do it for them. And I got something even better. If God waited on you, because you know he did, he didn't shut the door on you, stop shutting the door on others. Don't matter what their last name is, don't matter what their political party is, affiliation, no matter what their beliefs are, God can change them. Stop giving up hope on them. God is long-suffering. As long as they're breathing, God can change them. Just one touch from God changes everything. Just one touch. Nobody ever got around God and stayed the same. If you notice, um, I know I got to get into my passage, don't worry. Um, But if, if you'll notice, whenever anybody got around God, they changed. They either were broken and contrite or hard of heart, but nobody stayed the same. In other words, they either went this direction or that direction, but they couldn't stay exactly where they were and not be impacted. Because when God comes around, people change. You will either break your heart or you will harden your heart, but you can't stay the same when God comes around. Heard an old minister, he he said, we need the kind of churches that sinners don't want to come to. And they said, what do you mean? And he said, because if you got that kind of church, they know if they go to your church, they're going to have to get saved and have a new life. Not a dead church. And a live church is where people walk out different than the way they walked in. See, we don't want nobody walking in one way and walking out the same way. We want you either to get happy or mad one of the two. Just have some lifeblood in the church. Get happy or mad, but don't stay the same. But God will make you happy. And and so, um, well, let me get into this before I keep on going. So his sons, they they perverted judgment, and you kind of see that in our nation. In other words, the... The, the children had a falling away. They, they were not what they were supposed to be. And you see this in the church world today. In, in, anytime you, know, you, know, you listen to a message and it's not of God, it's a falling away. It's part of it. It's part of it. The, there is such a falling away right now that people actually get angry when you preach the true gospel, and you don't change it, whether you're in, in 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 a crowd with Jews or Gentiles or or yellow, brown, black or white. It's the same gospel for all people. There's not two gospels. There's not twenty. There's one. And when you preach the same gospel to To people no matter who they are kings or whatever it angers people it angers people especially this generation's church now watch this Um, in verse number four it says then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel under Ramah now how many of you know that it takes a lot to get to get all the people together To get all the people together it takes a lot amen you know that was one of the the sad realities i remember after 9 11 happened you know everybody went to church churches were packed and we thought man god's gonna change the nation a month after it it was right back to normal and i remember whenever the whenever the sodomy ruling came down on the supreme court and they the our country endorsed homosexual marriage for the first time when they blessed it i remember a minister saying i just pray that that we finally cross the line and the church wakes up and all comes together but it didn't happen the church just kept going to that same worldly music beat because you don't want to rock the boat So, you know, and and I get what he's saying. You remember World War II whenever Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and the guy said, I fear we've woken a sleeping giant. Remember that? That's the church is a sleeping giant, and nothing's waking it up. Nothing's waking it up. What's what's it going to take? Well, we could just be in the falling away. We could just be in that place where... It's just going to continually to get gradual worse and worse, but I want to tell you if you're a child of God, you have a calling on your life to stand up for the truth, to be salt and light in the world today, no matter who comes against you and tells you to stop. You have a mandate from God to give the same gospel you got to other people that are lost and on their way to hell. That's your mandate. Your mandate is to be saved and then to give that same gospel to others so they can get saved. That's your mandate. If you've got any other mandate, you've got the wrong one. So all the elders came, they gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah. And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now... Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them you you see what happened a failure of the pulpit created a failure in the people as goes the pulpit so goes the nation when the pulpit is not right the nation will soon follow and the pulpit hasn't been right for a while And when there was a failure of leadership in the spiritual priesthood, when there was a failure there, when there was compromise behind the pulpit, it set in motion compromise in the people. And the people began to get filled with their own ways and their own ideas. And listen to this. They desired to go and follow men, not God. They wanted a man, not God anymore. Up until this time, God was good enough. God delivered us out of bondage. God brought us manna from heaven. God parted the Red Sea. God defeated all our enemies. God knocked down the walls of Jericho. God did it, God did it, God did it. And then they get here and there's a failure in the pulpit and the people falter and now they want a man and not God. They want a message that is humanistic or man-centric and not gospel-centric. We have a humanistic message going out today, not a gospel message going out today. Otherwise, why in the world is the number one Christian bestseller your best life now? That's humanistic. Amen. That puts the whole emphasis on the person and not on Jesus. The gospel's Jesus. Your hope is built On Jesus. Your confidence is secure when it's on Jesus. He's the anchor of our hope. He's our risen Lord and Savior. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he purchased our soul with his own blood. And yet. When you talk about that, people roll their eyes in the back of their head, fall asleep, don't want anything to do with it until you tell them how to get rich. And so the, the failure in the pulpit, because people no longer depend on God's way, they depend on man's way, and it's filtered down into the people uh, of our nation. And now we're following men and not God. Amen. And it set into motion it set into motion a lot of bad issues that happened in Israel they lost the whole first 10 tribes. They're scattered. God scattered them like the wind. He can bring them back if he wants. But he scattered them because of their compromise, because of their wicked ways, because they kept doing the things of the world and following after men, following after the culture. Every every time they got into another culture, God told them to remove all the false gods because he said if you don't, you're going to end up following after them. But they didn't, and they began to worship all the false gods that God hated before he gave them the promised land. The mother of heaven, as they talked about in Jeremiah, Molech, as you'd see in Judges, all of them, all of them, They worshiped them all. No impartiality. Because when you choose men's ways over God's way, you're not very smart. God has a way of exposing your not-smartedness. Wisdom's in Jesus. 1 Corinthians one thirty, Wisdom. God has made Christ Jesus unto us, wisdom God will give you wisdom when you're in Christ but a person who rejects Christ will begin to do things that are not wise they will begin to do things that hurt themselves and hurt others and this rejecting of God this rejecting of God in our generation has made people not wise It has made them go to the point where they hurt themselves and hurt others. And you see this being played out on a daily basis in our nation, whether it's abortion or gun violence or domestic violence or suicide or anything else in between, we have an issue in our nation, and it's because we're not looking unto Jesus as a nation. We're looking unto men, just like they began to do here. They rejected God, and they wanted to do things their way like everybody else was doing. But everybody else was going to hell. I remember my mom telling me that one time. She said, why do you want to do what everybody else does? Would you, would you follow them to hell? That's exactly what Israel was telling Samuel. We want to do what everybody else is doing. I, I, I almost imagine Samuel wanted to be like, oh, you want to go to hell like they do? Oh, okay. You want to worship false gods and split hell wide open? But, you know, Samuel, I mean, he prayed about it first. And God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. You keep holding to the truth. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, Samuel. And so the nation fell away. This is the way that Israel ended up right there is not how God wanted it to be. God wanted it to be theistic. He was over it all. But they wanted to be like the world. Let me say that again. They wanted to be like the world. Why is it that churches are going dark why is it that churches are playing worldly music why is it that churches are not preaching the true gospel why is it that we look more like nightclubs than churches when god called us out of darkness and into light god called us to be salt and light imitators of christ not imitators of the world but we're too smart for that this is this we're too smart for that well nobody will come if we don't have laser lights smoke machines fog Black wall, black ceiling, no lights on overhead, playing ACDC. How else are we supposed to get them? You're not supposed to get them that way. You're supposed to preach the gospel and let God get them. God's the one who saves. God's the one who builds the church. Jesus, when he asked Peter, who do men say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is the one who builds the church, not men. So I love what E.M. Bounds said. He said, He said that men are always looking for better methods. That's why we have church growth seminars. Men are always looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. God is good. And he's so merciful with us right now in our foolishness. But like I said, it's not any different than anything in the past. Look at that. Can you imagine how much it grieved God's heart when the nation that he, listen, delivered out of bondage, brought through the Red Sea, fed, watered, healed, all of it. He did all of it for them. And they still wanted to do things the world's way how much it grieved God's heart then how much it grieves God's heart now and the issue at hand is the issue at hand is if we're going to propagate the true gospel that's the issue at hand because we can't change everybody only God can change a nation we can't change everybody but we can be who we're supposed to be. You can't be anybody else. You can't change them. You can give them to God, but you need to be who God called you to be. You agree with that? This is how the, this is how the, the church in Acts operated. Let me show you something that, that Peter and, and John did. If you'll turn in your Bibles to, to the book of Acts, Chapter number four. Let me show you something over here. Acts chapter number four. And we don't have time to go into the whole thing, um, but it's one of the best chapters there. So, Um, the Sadducees and all the rulers of Israel, they began to come down on on Peter and John. And one of the things that they they said is um, they were asking them how they perform this healing, how they're doing what they did. Um, And so Peter said in verse, well, let's look at verse number seven. It said, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he's made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel, but but by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Even by him, did this man stand here before you whole. So he said, you want to know, you want to know how we're doing, what we're doing? We're doing it in the very same person that you crucified. I want you to know you might've killed him, but God raised him. Because you can't stop the gospel. Amen. 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 The people will try to kill the message, but they can't because God's word is eternal heaven and earth will pass away before his word fails. And, and he said in verse uh, number 11, he said, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. Now this is where you start getting rocks thrown at you. Neither is there salvation in any other, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Confucius, not Krishna, not any of that stuff, not in crystals, not in tarot cards, not in nothing, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They just straight up told them, Jesus is the way, the only way, and nothing but the way. There is no way for you to go to heaven outside of Jesus Christ. He might have even quoted, you know, Jesus said, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by him. Can't get saved any other way. Now look what it says. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. The the thing that they took notice of is that these were regular, ordinary folks, but there was a touch from God on them. God is not looking for gold vessels. He's looking for clean vessels. God is looking for someone who's willing. Lord, I'll give my life to you. You didn't have to give your life for me. I will give my life for you. God is looking for that kind of a person who's willing to be nameless and faceless in his army. And Peter and John, they were ordinary folks in the eyes of the world, but they were giants in the eyes of God. And even these people that looked at them and said, that's a nobody, they they don't have no education but we can't deny there's a fire in them. We can't deny there's a power upon them. We can't deny there's an anointing on their life. We can't deny they've been with the same one they're preaching about. See, they weren't like the seven sons of Sceva. Remember that? They, they were trying to cast out devils and that, that devil looked at them and said, well, Jesus, they said, you know, come out in the name of, of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't know Jesus. They hadn't been with Jesus. Amen. And those devils looked at them and said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? In other words, they bow to Jesus and they know Paul was in Christ. They didn't know them. And you see, God will do that with you. Paul, listen, he's an apostle, but he has to be in Christ just like you do. He has to be surrendered to Christ just like you. And if God can use anybody, he can use you. You have a calling on your life. And the calling of this hour is to proclaim the gospel to lost and dying souls. As Spurgeon said, and I'll paraphrase: If people are going to go to hell, at least make them leap over our bodies. God's looking for people to sell out, and so you know, whenever these leaders, whenever they looked at at Peter and John, they didn't say, um, you know, "Well, I hear what you're saying." They could tell they had been with Jesus. There was an intangible anointing on their life that people could see, and it was unmistakable. It's the reason that you smile sometimes when the world's falling apart, when God just kind of comforts you and lets you know You may think it's falling apart, but I've got you. When you feel weak, God says, then he's made strong. And when you get to your weakest and you find that verse over there in Corinthians, and you say, when I'm weak, you're made strong, Lord. And then right there in your weakness, you just begin to have a little fire just rise up. And you say, praise God. When I come to the end of me, I've hit pay dirt because that's where I found the rock. God won't share the throne. He won't share the power. But if you'll empty yourself at the cross in complete surrender, he will fill you up. And so these leaders, they saw that in, in Peter and John. They saw it. Now, here's the good part. Watch this. In, in, in verse uh, number 18. So after, after that was over, the, these leaders, they all huddled up, and they said, okay, look, what are we going to do? How are we going to get these radical no-name folks who got this anointing on them. How are we going to get them to stop? So they tried to come up with a plan. Look at verse number 18. It said, They called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus. Listen, you know... That you can live for, you, you can do anything in any religion's name. But when you do it in the name of Jesus, you will get a rise out of ungodly folk. The name of Jesus strikes a chord in the spiritual world. Because it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He's been given a name above every name. Every name. And so... This, this is so reminiscent of the world today. You, you, you know that in our schools, in our nation, we have people that will take their schools on field trips to mosques and teach them how to pray the prayer of Islam. Can you imagine if we started bussing them to churches to teach them the gospel? Talk about lighting people's hair on fire. But this stuff's going on in our nation right under our nose. Why am I telling you that? Because it's on, because they're doing that in the name of Muhammad. You know it's not right. You know it's not right. But it's when you do anything in the name of Jesus that the world gets crazy. You can do anything and anything. But once you name the name of Christ, you know why? Because Christ is exclusive. He said there's no other way. There's no other way. Gandhi said, I think I know the way. Muhammad said, I think I know the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It is that exclusiveness. Christianity is different than every other religion. That's why every other religion in the world hates it. Christianity says you are a sinner. God is holy. You can't cross the chasm. There is no amount of good works that you can do to get up to where God is. Every other religion teaches there is. Every other religion's ladder is different. They use different language, different terminology and different ladders, but every other religion has the tower of babel mentality. It's ingrained in the false religions of the world. But God said you can't climb the ladder. You're so low as a sinner and God is so high and holy, you can't get there. None are righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life this is the gospel death, burial and resurrection of God the Son never sinned never stopped being God died for our sins for our sins not in our sins hello and rose the third day triumphing over death hell, and the grave. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for you and for me. And one day soon, the day of Christ, the reckoning will happen. And the Lord will descend. The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. And then God, then God, then God will judge the world, separating sheep and goats, wheat and tares, truth and lies. It'll all come out in the wash. It'll all come out in the wash. Every idle word spoken, everything, every deed done in darkness, it'll all come out in the wash. And on that day, when on Judgment Day, one thing and one thing alone will matter, and that is whether you are born again or not. Won't matter what your last name is. Won't matter what church you went to. Won't matter who you married. Won't matter how many kids you had. Won't matter how, much, how many stocks or options or none of that. Won't matter one thing. One thing on that day, one thing will matter whether you're born again or not, whether you have received the gospel of Jesus and believed it. And so the, um, the, the, the leaders said, stop. How many of y'all think that they stopped? How many of y'all think that Peter and John stopped preaching? Let's listen to what they said in closing. Verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Sorry we offended you, sir. (laughs) Oh, I lost my backbone there. That's not what it said, is it? Come on. Verse number 19. Let's read what the Bible says. Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God... To hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, whether you think what we're doing is right or not, you judge, but we can't stop talking about it. We got to testify because God is good and God has done something for me. When you've got a testimony, you've got to shout. They had to testify because Jesus rose from the dead. Peter and John, they were the ones that saw the empty tomb. They went in there, amen, and they saw the risen Savior. They they said, we can't help but talk about it. And now, and now you've got to kick people to talk about it. Now you got to kick people. Now whenever I hear somebody preaching I'm like, I hope they talk about Jesus. Please talk about Jesus. When are they going to get to Jesus? When are they? you got to kick them. Come on. Come on. Testify about Jesus. Don't tell me how you got wealthy. Don't tell me how you got this. Testify about what God did for you through Jesus. I need the gospel it's the only thing that can save me it's the only thing that can change me and we know that if God can change us he can change anyone amen Amen. so if you got a testimony let it out amen all right father we thank you for this opportunity Lord to hear your word your truth God Lord